Hello there and welcome to Not So Secular. My name is Mon Reyes, I am a Catholic youth missionary here in the Philippines and I will be your host here today. In this episode, we are going to talk about the relationship between a hurt and healing. This is coming from a recommendation, a suggested topic given by one of our friends, her name is Ellie. A couple weeks back, I posted in our Facebook group, the group dedicated for this podcast. It's called Not-So-Secular Discussions and Questions. So I posted there asking for possible topics that we could discuss after our series on the Lord's Prayer. So she responded to this and she recommended that we talk about the difference between how the world views pain and suffering versus God's view of pain and suffering. Now, the question of suffering is huge. It is a complex topic and a lot of other speakers and authors and teachers and preachers and pastors and priests have done well in exploring this. This episode is not meant to be an exhaustive explanation of the meaning of suffering in our lives. Instead, I would very much prefer that instead of this becoming the end of the conversation, I would prefer that this could be the beginning of the conversation on pain and suffering and how we as Christians, as Jesus followers, could view that because it's something that we certainly all experience in our lives in varying degrees and in different areas also. And so like I said for today, what I would hope to do in this episode is to at least give a specific perspective that could help us view hurt and the healing, those two in particular, how it relates to one another and how we could learn perhaps to embrace it better. What do we mean by that? Well, let's talk about it here today. All that and more coming right up. By the way, if you'd like to get further involved in this podcast, I would very much recommend that you join the Facebook group that I mentioned a while ago, Not-So-Secular Discussions and Questions. I'll put the link to that in the description of this episode so that you could check it out for yourself. Just click the button right there and then answer the questions and we'd be happy to have you around. Now, I'd like to start this off by reading from scripture. I'll be drawing from Luke chapter 9 verses 18 to 24. I'm reading from the New American Bible Revised Edition. It says, Once when Jesus was praying in solitude and the disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowd say that I am? They said in reply, John the Baptist, others, Elijah. Still others, one of the ancient prophets has arisen. Then he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Peter said in reply, The Messiah of God. He rebuked them and directed them not to tell this to anyone. He said, The Son of Man must suffer greatly and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed and on the third day be raised. Then he said to all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. 
one of the things that I love about our faith is that it doesn't shy away from the reality of pain and suffering. As Christians, we believe that there is more to life than just avoiding pain. We don't merely detach ourselves as the Buddhists or the Gnostics do. Yes, there is a healthy form of detachment that we need for us to be able to align ourselves, for us to be able to give our full trust as well as our full allegiance on the Lord and the Lord alone. But this is not meant to be a rejection of our earthly experiences. In fact, what the Bible teaches us is that it was Jesus himself who was incarnated, that God himself took flesh to be with us, to come and join in our experience, not so that he could take us away from this earthly experience, but so that this earthly experience could be redeemed and set Right, because creation, that includes our physical embodiment as well as everything that we experience here in this life now, creation was made good. It's not, it's not bad. Yes, it's fallen. Yes, sin has corrupted certain parts and certain elements and certain expressions of it. But it, it, it was not originally made bad. It was originally made good. And God wants to restore that. God wants to redeem us as well as the rest of creation. And so we don't merely detach ourselves from the physical reality. We don't detach ourselves from the pain and the suffering. In fact, we go so far as to believe that there will be times when we will be asked to embrace that pain, to embrace that suffering. Why? When we are in pursuit of something of greater meaning. After all, our Lord and Savior was one who was crucified and died. And this is what the passage talks about, right? Jesus asks his followers, who do you say that I am? And he is declared to be the Messiah by Peter. And then what does he say? He talks about the suffering that he will endure. He talks about the suffering that will happen, that he, that they should prepare themselves for. And then what, what happens after that? What happens after that is that he tells them, whoever wishes to follow me must deny himself and take up his cross daily. As Christians, we don't pretend that suffering doesn't exist. We don't try to, to, faith our way out of our terrible situations to be super radical optimists as if nothing bad could ever happen. No, that's not the way of the Christian. Our way is to acknowledge, to face suffering because we do know that it exists, but we also know with confidence that suffering is not the end. Suffering is not the end. And so what does this have to do with hurt and healing? I mentioned that we want to talk about the relationship between hurt and healing. The only reason why we need healing is because hurt exists. You wouldn't need your wound to heal if you weren't wounded in the first place. But at the same time, we are not just in this world to wholly pursue meaning and avoid hurt at all costs. A different language or a different, a different set of words that could describe the same thing is that we're not here to simply avoid pain and pursue pleasure. The Christian life is way more than just that. Because sometimes, sometimes, what it takes for us to heal truly is for us to embrace the hurt that comes with that 
healing. What am I talking about? Okay, for lack of a better term, I'd like to categorize the hurt that we experience here today and the lives that we live now as part of history. Okay, the, the hurts that we experience now into two. Okay, the first kind is unnecessary hurt. And then the second kind is necessary hurt. I'm sure other other teachers have thought of better ways of referring to this. But for now, at least, in, in, in how we're referring to this, let's refer to it as unnecessary hurt versus necessary hurt. What does that mean? So try to imagine or try to look back to some of those old action movies, right? Where you have the action star fighting against the bad guys. And so there's a shootout that occurs in the forest, Rambo style. Bring out all the guns, shooting each other. So all the bad guys are trying to shoot at our protagonist here. But the protagonist, of course, survives and shoots everyone down. And the, the, the protagonist doesn't get hit in all of the vital spots. If at all our hero gets hit, most likely he is hit somewhere in the arm or in those areas where he's not going to die for sure. And so... We see this in action movies, especially in old action movies. And this is what happens. There, there, there happens the shootout, right? And so after that, our, our hero gets shot and then shoots down everyone else who is still there. After that, they, our hero limps toward this warehouse or toward this shelter and finds, finds a safe space, rests for a bit, looks at his wound and sees that the bullet is still inside. And now you, you could already anticipate what's going to happen next, right? For, for our hero to continue his adventure, for our hero to continue his journey, he has to take the bullet out and he has to clean the wound, oftentimes with some sort of alcohol or some sort of liquid that will help disinfect the wound. And so our protagonist takes a bite out of a rag, a cloth, right? A piece of cloth. And then takes out the bullet, pours in this, this alcohol, this, this disinfectant. And then while he's pouring it out, pouring it into the wound, he lets out this, this cry that is, of course, muffled by his, the, the, the cloth, the piece of cloth that he is biting. Okay. So. Why are we talking about this? That is a good illustration for what we mean by unnecessary hurt and necessary hurt. Here's the thing. Getting shot in the arm was an unnecessary hurt. It did not need to happen. It was caused by the malice of someone else. In our lives today, it could be caused by our own mistakes, our own sins. We experience certain unnecessary hurts as consequences of our actions or the actions of other people that were done to us, or maybe not even done to us, done to someone else, done to something else, but we are affected in the process. There are unnecessary hurts that we experience, hurts that we don't have to experience, but because of our actions, because of our mistakes, because of our sins, we end up experiencing those hurts, unnecessary hurt. That's the first kind. What is the second kind? The necessary hurt. The necessary hurt is not the getting shot in the arm. The necessary hurt is the taking out of the bullet. Taking out the bullet and pouring in the disinfectant, pouring in the alcohol to clean the wound. That is painful too. Mahapdi yun, masakit yun. That hurts. But that kind of hurt is necessary. Why? So that the wound could properly heal. You see, there are times in our lives that for certain wounds, certain wounds that, we're, that we have, for it to properly heal, there is a type of 
necessary hurt that we have to go through. In this case, it's taking out the bullet and cleaning the wound. Because what will happen if you leave the bullet inside, even if if the wound would heal, at least on the outside, what happens is that you are faced with something else. You are faced with a certain form of infection. And that infection is going to creep inside the body and might cause further damage later on. That is what happens when you don't attend to the necessary hurt that paves the way to healing. We know this when we're talking about, for example, when we're talking about our problems, when we're seeing a, a, a good therapist, preferably a good Catholic or a good Christian therapist who could help us understand our experiences in light of their expertise and in light of our faith. So when you're talking to someone or when you're seeking spiritual direction or when you're going to confession, these are these experiences have some overlaps, diba? Right? And so when we're consulting someone, when we're digging deep into some of our wounds emotionally, relationally, socially, sometimes it hurts. Eh? It hurts to dig up some of these wounds. It hurts to relive them. There's a reason why we've buried them in our minds. There's a reason why we've avoided them. There's a reason why we've grown so anxious every time, every time it seems to come up in conversation or every time it seems like it's gonna happen again. We panic. There's a reason why we avoid, we flee. It's because it hurts. It hurts. But you see, sometimes what it takes for us to truly heal from that kind of wound is for us to face the necessary hurt that we need to face so that it doesn't end up infecting the rest of our soul. Are you with me here? How do you know when a hurt is unnecessary and when it is necessary? Unnecessary hurts bring you harm. Necessary hurts bring you healing. There is a difference between a hurt and a harm. Not everything that hurts harms and not everything that harms hurts. We need to understand this. You see, unnecessary hurts are the hurts that we need to face. Necessary hurts are the hurts we need to embrace. Let's talk a little bit more about unnecessary hurt. You see, the reality, again, is that we live in a broken world. We live in a world where suffering and pain exists. And as we can see from the story of Scripture, from, our, from the teaching of our faith, God doesn't want that. That's not part of the original plan. But because of our unfaithfulness, because of our disobedience, because of human history, because of, again, this fallen state that we are in right now, this has creeped in. Pain and suffering, needless pain and suffering, and even death has creeped into our experience today. But the solution that the Bible gives us, that the Lord extends to us in the story of salvation, is not to take out the pain and to remove every sense of suffering there is. We'll get there eventually, but at least here, right now, we are not meant to simply ignore the pain as if it doesn't exist. We are not meant to simply simply be blind joyful people yes joyful but still blind which is not that joyful really if you think about it no but rather true joy true joy the virtue of joy is found even when suffering exists not because we pretend that it doesn't exist but because we know that the suffering is not the end the suffering is not the end sometimes there are certain certain pains, certain harms, certain hurts that God allows to happen in our lives. Not because He wanted it to happen, but because, well, <laughs> many different, many different reasons. And 
Sometimes those reasons are hard to talk about. Sometimes it's not as clear. Sometimes they're complex. Sometimes they're just too painful to even try to think about or talk about. But God is faithful. That's at least something that we know we can trust in. We know we can be confident that God is faithful. In the end of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, in Genesis 50 verse 20, this is Joseph speaking. He says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You see, Joseph was someone who experienced betrayal in his life by his own brothers. And he, he, was, he was sold into slavery. He was imprisoned for a crime that he didn't commit. But later on, God was faithful. He was faithful also. And God exalted him to a certain position. And he was brought to a point when, when, he, was, when he was brought face to face with his brothers who betrayed him. And yet he extended mercy. And yet he extended compassion upon them, even despite the pain that they have caused him. And the reason for that here, what Joseph is saying here, is that yes, you intended to harm me, but the harm that you intended, God has redeemed. And God has used that harm and turned it into an opportunity for good. That's what God does. In Romans, it says that God works all things for the good. All things include the good things, but it also includes the bad things. God works all things. And again, I want to I wanna emphasize this, that, that it's one thing to talk about this thing intellectually. Right? It's one thing to talk about these issues like, like this, as if it's a subject or a topic that, that is disconnected to us. But I know that for a lot of us, this is a very real experience. I know that for a lot of us, this is a very real encounter that we have had with, with malice, with abuse, with stuff that are very difficult to explain and difficult to share and maybe we've faced shame or guilt and fear along the way but god is with you i talk a bit more about evil and about suffering in another episode that i did prior which is called if god is real then why do bad things happen that is an episode particularly dedicated on discussing the problem of evil and if you'd like to hear more about this i would suggest that you go there you visit that episode so that you could hopefully gain something from it but for today let's stick with this let's stick with the relationship between hurt and healing you see there are two ways that we can respond when we experience hurt we can either define who god is in light of what we go through this is what it's happening now lord why is this happening you weren't there you weren't faithful Lord, akala ko ba? Bakit ganito? That's the first option. We define who God is in light of what we go through. Or, we can define what we go through in light of who God is. Knowing, being confident in the truth that He has always been there even in the times when we didn't feel like He was there. When we didn't think that He was there. And he has a way of redeeming our experiences, even the bad ones. Even the bad ones. God is in the business of using what others had meant for evil to bring good into our lives. When we cannot understand the why, let us learn to look to the who. So that's the first kind, unnecessary hurt. The second kind is necessary hurt. And this applies in three areas, generally. 
This applies in the healing of the self, the healing of relationships, and in the healing of society. Let's begin with the first one, the healing of the self. We already partly addressed this, right? That sometimes what it takes for us to heal from certain emotional wounds or social wounds is for us to be able to name what it is that we're experiencing, for us to be able to bring it out into the light, to remove the power of shame upon these these bad experiences or bad perspectives or lies that we've come to believe about ourselves and about the world. Sometimes we have to bring it out and lay it bare in front of Jesus so that he could or that we could receive the healing power that he wants to he wants to pour into our lives. And that's the thing. But there's that saying that, that's that's very interesting. It's only embarrassing when you're embarrassed. It's only embarrassing when you're embarrassed. When someone's making fun of you and you're not embarrassed about that thing that they're making fun of you of or about, then it doesn't matter because it's only embarrassing if you're embarrassed. Now, that's a very simplistic way of looking at this, but that's the thing. Sometimes sometimes we have to lay it bare and that's why conversations and relationships, intimate relationships are important. Do you have a person in your life that you trust to that extent that you could just lay yourself bare, put down the walls and the masks that you put up to try to pretend to be likable for other people and just be yourself, as cliche as it may sound. Do you have people in your life who encourage you to be better, who help you want to become better? We need that. We need that. In church circles, we often talk about the unconditional love of God, but you know what I've learned I've learned that oftentimes, it's not God who puts the conditions. God's love is unconditional, but we put conditions upon ourselves because we think that if if people were to know this side of me, if people were to know this part of my life, this thing that I've been hiding from others, this thing that I'm super shameful of, this sin that I keep on going back to and I don't want anyone else to find about, if people find out about that in my life, then the way they treat me and the way they look at me is gonna change. And so I better keep it in the dark. But that's not the solution. The solution the solution is to lay it all bare. That is part of the beauty of the sacrament of confession. And that is part of the beauty of communion in church. I'm not saying that you should go around and broadcast all your sins and all your brokenness to the world. You should also protect yourself. That is why we, that is why we refuse to be vulnerable because we want to protect ourselves. But every now and then, we need to allow ourselves to receive love. How? By putting down our walls, putting down our masks, and allowing ourselves to be vulnerable to the right people, the right people who can be channels of God's love for us. Healing of the self sometimes requires that kind of hurt of taking out the bullet. The second type of healing is the healing of relationships. How does hurt relate to the healing of relationships? It's quite straightforward, actually. Forgiveness. Whether you're the one who's asking for forgiveness or you're the one being asked. If you're the one who's asking, it hurts. It hurts to let down your pride. It hurts to admit that you were wrong. 
Sometimes we say these half stories now we don't even like say it, say it. Sometimes we have blame apologies, diba? Sorry, I did this. Ikaw kasi, ginawa mo kasi niya, kaya ito yung nasabi ko. Like, so, sorry, if if I, I said something wrong, it's because you 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 triggered me. It, it, it ends up being the other person's fault, even if you're the one who's asking for an apology, you know? It, it, sometimes we do that, but you know, to to honestly and truly ask for forgiveness and mean it, you know, to acknowledge that I was wrong and I want to be better and I want to restore this relationship. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? That hurts too. That hurts your ego. That hurts your pride. That hurts your perspective. Because if you were wrong, then that, then that means that there are things that you are going to have to change about yourself. And that's part of the package of restoring relationships. The other way around, if you're the one who's being asked for forgiveness, well, then you have to let go of any fantasy of getting back at the person. You have to let go of of your desire for revenge, of your desire to get even. You have to let go of that. And sometimes that hurts too because we have an innate longing for justice, which is supposed to be good, but when poured in the wrong way toward the people around us, it can become something else. It can become corrupted into becoming vengeance. And that's not a good thing. If you watch The Batman, vengeance is not a good thing. <laughs> and I'm not gonna spoil anything. Anyway, so that that's that's part of the healing of relationships. There is hurt there also that we need to embrace. And the third one is the healing of society for us to become productive members of society. How do we heal society? By becoming faithful, image-bearing children of God. Because we are meant to live out the kingdom of the Lord, the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Now, we talked about this in our Lord's Prayer series, and that's what it's about. Sometimes we think that in order to heal society, we just need to call out the bad that we just need to call out and hold people accountable and have them do the right thing, that if only we were to have the right kind of structure, system, government, elect the right kind of people, then society would be fixed and we would be living in utopia. No no one will be poor anymore. Everything will be fine and I'm going to be happy. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Because again, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's in charge. It doesn't matter what the structure is. It doesn't matter what kind of economic structure, political maneuver we do. If the hearts of the people remain unchanged, then so will this nation. Now, the heart that you have the most control over is your own heart. And so is something changing in your own heart? Are you are you allowing yourself to participate in all the real ways? Are you allowing yourself to be a channel of love, not just in the cheesy way that we would often think when we talk about love, but also a channel of love in your business, a channel of love in your work, a channel of love in your family, a channel of love by being faithful in the little things, a channel of love by being responsible, by doing your role. This is part of how we heal society through the individual transformation of people as they come to know Jesus Christ, as we share the Lord with them also, as we ourselves are being healed, society is being healed also. But again, that's not easy. That's not easy. You know what's easy? To lie down on the couch and watch Netflix all day. You know what's difficult? To work out, to eat right, to become a healthy person. That's challenging. That's challenging. But we all know which one is healthier. But we also know which one is more painful. We also know which one causes muscle sores. We also know which one 
which one brings about the, these these decisions that we have to make. Am I gonna eat this this chocolate chip cookie in the middle of the night because I have the craving for it, even though I know that I should not be eating this? That can be painful too. That can be hurtful too. But again, there are certain types of hurt that we need to embrace in order to pursue healing. The language of love is giving. If you care about someone, you give. You know those five love languages? All of those are giving. You just give different things. If you care about someone, how do you express it? You give your time, you give your presence, you give service, you give kind words, you give physical affection, you give, you give. But the reality is that when you give something, you lose something. If I give you 20 pesos, I lose 20 pesos. If I give you 100 pesos, I lose 100 pesos. If I give you 1,000 pesos, I lose 1,000 pesos. Which hurts more? Losing 20 pesos or losing 1,000 pesos? The answer is losing 1,000 pesos. But which one helps the other person more? Receiving 20 pesos or receiving 1,000 pesos? The answer is receiving 1,000 pesos. The more we love, the more we give, the more we lose. That is part of the experience of love and giving. Giving hurts. That's why love hurts. Love hurts because giving hurts. And giving is the language of love. But giving is one form of unnecessary hurt. And the reality of this life that we live in right now, again, since we live in a fallen world, is that we will get hurt. We cannot live our lives avoiding hurt at all costs. We will get hurt one way or another. The real question is not, will I get hurt or not? The real question is, am I getting hurt for the right reasons? Are these necessary hurts or unnecessary hurts? And the world will try to, will try to convince you that you know the, the less you care the happier you'll be just just numb yourself to the pain but that's not that's not the solution because in reality you only truly know happiness when you know how to truly care you are made for love it's in our design and giving again the language of love is giving giving brought to its fullest extent giving maximized to its full potential we have a word for that what is it called it's called sacrifice sacrifice in john chapter 15 verses 12 to 13 it says my command is this love each other as i have loved you greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends that's exactly what jesus did he gave himself for us the truth of jesus carrying his cross for us is what gives us the strength to carry Hours. And so when he tells us to deny ourselves and to pick up our cross daily, it's because he picked up his cross. And some pains, some hurts are worthwhile. Are worthwhile. Of course, we want to eliminate as much necessary hurt as possible, as much unjust suffering as possible. We do that by becoming responsible citizens, by becoming responsible sons and daughters and children and brothers, sisters, wives, husbands in these different roles, boss, employee, these different roles that we have in our lives. We want to be faithful. We want to avoid unnecessary hurt, unjust suffering. But let's not be fooled into thinking that suffering at least in this side of the world that we are in right now, that suffering is wholly avoidable, that there is virtue 
in trying to avoid suffering at all costs. Because there will be times when we will be called to embrace suffering in pursuit of something more meaningful, in pursuit of love, in pursuit of justice, in pursuit of reconciliation. That's part of how we experience pain and suffering here and now. And Jesus is faithful. He redeems the pain. He doesn't waste our pain. He doesn't waste our pain. There are a lot of things in my life that I have had to learn the hard way by experiencing the consequences of my own actions. But at the same time, there are also pains and hurts in my life that are not really because I did something wrong or because someone else did something wrong. In fact, there are certain pains that happen in our lives because we are exactly doing the right thing. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. As long as we approach it with proper discernment, as long as we approach it beside the Lord, following His will, aligning ourselves with His plan for this world, then we could, we could become who He has meant us to be. God is a God who redeems. Praise the Lord for that. My invitation for you is to be able to identify, to take the time to pause and identify the hurts that you experience in your life. What are the necessary hurts that you have experienced in the past that maybe you have yet to face truly? And what are the unnecessary hurts that maybe you have to learn how to embrace? What are those things? What are those things? And as we, as we, identify those, I would like to invite you to bring it into prayer, bring it to the Lord, and to trust Him. And to allow that to become an opportunity to know Him in a deeper way, in a greater way. I would like to encourage you also to continue learning about this. This is a very rich topic in Catholic teaching. You could look up the teachings behind redemptive suffering, what we call redemptive suffering. And of course, a lot of saints and a lot of, a lot of prominent speakers and authors have written about, about the experience of suffering and learning how to face that as Christians, as Catholics. There is more, more to this topic than what we've talked about in these few minutes. And so again, thank you very much for today. Help us out by giving us a rating on Spotify, Apple, or whatever podcast platform of choice that you are using right now. Do share this with your friends or your family members if you think this would be helpful for them, if you know someone who needs this kind of message. Again, thank you very much for listening all the way through. I'll see you next episode. Goodbye.